We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the NFL Week 4 edition of the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast. We talk about gambling on the NFL. I am Nick Whalen, joined as I am every week by my man, John McKechnie. Uh, John, I, I don't think we're alone uh, when we can say that we look back on Week 3 and it was carnage all over the place. Uh, tough week for us in Circa Million. We saw a ton of survivor entries go down in Week 3, most of those being on the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Ravens, of course, uh, lost straight up uh, to the Indianapolis Colts. It was one of those weeks where, you know, talking through all those games uh, on the pod last week, you know, doing the, the circuit video, we, you know, we, we were kind of going back and forth and you know that all these favorites are not going to cover, you know, one or two of them aren't going to win outright. It, it just, it, it felt like a guessing game and boy, did we come out on the wrong side of that? We got to be upfront about it. Yeah, we, we absolutely do. I went to the dentist yesterday, and that was more fun than, than Sunday uh, as far as the, the the betting record was concerned. I mean, it was it was rough for, for picks generally, Survivor. I went down with the Dallas ship, uh, so now, now I'm all leery about uh, using San Francisco that, this weekend against the Cardinals. Do we respect the Cardinals? TBD. Uh, but I think we, we know now – that the Bears are the worst team, but they are playing a team that lost by 50 points this past weekend. So, I mean, there, there's some games in here that, that are really uh, putting the old noggin in a pretzel. Yeah, I think the Bears have the belt right now, but they have a chance to pass that off to the Denver Broncos this week. And there are there are certain games over the course of the NFL schedule. This feels like it doesn't really happen in other sports, probably just because it's so condensed. But there, there's like serendipitous matchups, right? Like I, I had not really looked at the week four board uh, until you know Sunday night, and you know in the wake of that, we had the Bears down forty-one to nothing at one point. We had the Broncos getting seventy put on them. Uh, I, I actually read today that like the expected score in that game was like seventy-eight. Like it could have been worse, uh, and it certainly <laughs> felt that way watching it. It's like the Dolphins could have named their number in the second half, and then you look ahead to Week Four, and it's like, of course the Broncos are playing the Bears. Like of course this is how it ends up. Like the two teams that are as down bad as it gets right now are playing each other in. You know, that matchup to me is is kind of reminiscent of, of how this week shapes up. We have one huge favorite in the 49ers. Like you mentioned, they are 14-point favorites at home against Arizona. Vegas isn't buying it. Uh, we'll talk about that game a little bit later. We got Chiefs-Jets. Chiefs are 9.5-point favorites. Would love for that number to hang on at 9.5 in Circa. And we got the Eagles as 8.5-point favorites over the Commanders. Other than that, you're seeing a lot of ones, a lot of you know two and a half, some threes, some three and a half. Uh, you know, when I was writing my article earlier today, eleven of sixteen games at that time had a spread of three and a half points or less. Yeah, so there, we're expecting a, a much tighter week uh, in, in that regard. But you know, like they're the huge spreads last week, and, and only uh, one of them covered, and a bunch of them lost outright. So um, th- this week really has some some interesting matchups. I feel like this. This weekend, superior to last as far as what watchability is concerned, and, and hopefully we're, we are a few notches uh, sharper this time around. I think we will be. I think we will be. You know, in, in terms of against the spread picks, I actually ended up okay. I had a 500 week. It felt worse than that. Like my Pick'em League was a complete disaster. Took a couple of risks there. I thought the Falcons might win outright against Detroit. Uh, that was wrong. That did not happen. Uh, and of course, you know, in another serendipitous matchup, we get Falcons Jaguars in London this week. We'll dive in on that one 
uh, in a bit. But let's talk about you know some of our favorite games on this slate. And you know, some weeks you got you know so many games that you almost have to pare it down to try to narrow it down to three or four. I, I was scratching and clawing just to just to find like three or four games that we really care about watching on Sunday. Yeah, it's uh it's funky for sure, but I, I think. Um, the 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 big headliner I would say for for this week, and we get a great Thursday night game oh, yeah. as well. But um, Bills Dolphins, I, I think, really is kind of at the center of everything for Sunday. That the Dolphins get to take their show on the road to to Buffalo. Buffalo uh, has banked a couple of blowout wins over bad teams over over these last couple of weeks. Miami is the talk of the fantasy community at, at this point, and we have Tua checking in as, as the new. Uh, newly crowned MVP favorite. We we see the Dolphins favored to win the division now. If you're if you're keeping track of those things, and you know the Bills, they probably are oddly enough feeling mildly disrespected going into this one, just because of the amount of shine that, that's on the Dolphins right now. And the, the Dolphins, you know, they're checking in as underdogs in this game, but the the Bills probably still are, are able to play a bit of that disrespect angle as well. Yeah, numbers at two and a half on DraftKings has been bouncing between two and a half and three all day. We'll see what that ultimately settles. I mean, the look ahead on this one uh, was three, and it opened all the way back in the summer at three and a half. So, yeah, I, I think you could play the disrespect angle a little bit for the Bills, especially just because of, of you know the singular result last week for the Dolphins. Meanwhile, the Bills have just you know rolled over their last two opponents uh, in the Commanders and the Las Vegas Raiders. But I, I think there's still some lingering. Uh, you know, like wounds from that week one game against the Jets where we saw Josh Allen turn the ball over four times. But I mean, the Bills have done everything they possibly could over the last eight quarters to remind us that they are one of the best teams in the AFC. Yeah, I saw a great stat earlier this week that Tua leads the NFL in terms of fastest time to throw. I mean, he's always gotten the ball out quickly, but it's going it's at really an extreme rate so far through three games. He's also averaging more completed air yards per attempt than any other quarterback. So he's getting rid of it faster than everybody. He's also getting more air yards than anybody, which just speaks to how quickly these receivers are getting downfield and how well-schemed they are. Yeah, it helps to have a track team as your supporting cast, whether it's Tyree Kill. Obviously, Jalen Waddle wasn't available this past weekend. Looks like he'll be good to go for this week. And in case people weren't aware, Raheem Mostert and Devin Achan, very, yeah. very fast as well. So I love the vision of this Miami team. It, it fits the Miami aesthetic so well. It's like Formula One uh, on a football field. It's unreal. Uh, so fun. Uh, you can kind of get the sense of, of where I'm leading for, for this one. But, yeah, I mean, like going back to your original point on, on the Bills and what they've done over these last couple of weeks, like there is still that stink on them from the Jets game because, you know, that yes, they've taken care of business and, and banked a couple of blowout wins over bad teams, but have they really proven that they are – um, you know, uh, of that upper echelon yet this season. And but I think Sunday is a huge proving ground for them in that, mm -hmm. in that regard. Oh, no question about it. I mean, this is the game of the week. Uh, I, I don't even know what would be number two. I think Chiefs Jets, you know, barring the Aaron Rodgers injury, that would have been a really fun one. Uh, but obviously that one, you know, could get out of hand with Zach Wilson, that quarterback. I mean, this is where all the eyeballs will be in the early window. I, I, I don't know where to go here, uh, you know, especially if the number's at three. I, I'm not going to be using it in Circa this week. I mean, I it, it's dangerous to kind of carry things over year to year, but the Bills do have that cachet, right? It's not like they were just some flash-in-the-pan team last season. I mean, they've, they've built, you know, kind of three straight years here of being one of the Titans in the AFC, if not the NFL overall. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm willing to just throw out what happened in week one, but I think they've built up enough cachet for me that – I do give them the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, this defense is running hot, right? And, and we can say, you know, yeah, they played the commanders and they played the Raiders, but I don't care who you play. You sack the quarterback nine times, you know, you force four turnovers. I mean, that was as dominant of a defensive performance as we've seen this season last week. And obviously the Dolphins are a completely different animal, literally, uh, than, than the commanders. But I, I, I think Buffalo is going to be able to keep this close. I, I certainly don't think they get boat raced here. And the thing the thing that I look for is like, I think both of these teams can score quickly, right? Like I, I think this will end up being a close game because if one team gets ahead by 10 or even 14 points, like I, I don't see either of them just falling away. Like they're both just going to keep going at it for four quarters. Exactly. And that, that's why we see that the tasty over under at 54 and a half, like that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You like the over on that? I'll take it. I'll take the over. Okay. I, I'm, All right, there we go. I'm expecting fireworks. Uh, we got a, a beautiful 
day forecasted in, in Buffalo. Yep. Mid-70s, sunny, no rain. Uh, none of the issues that the Dolphins had to face when they went up to Buffalo like twice in, in a three-week span late in the year. Last year with, with uh, that, that game around Christmas and then, of course, the, the early round uh, yep. playoff game as, as well. So conditions uh, favorable, neutral even. Uh, for, it might be too balmy for, for the Buffalo Bills. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't. I think if you're the Bills, you'd rather get this matchup in December than than late September. No question about that. Uh, all right, let's go to. I, I put four games in the, the the best of the weekend, and you mentioned one of them Thursday night. We are recording on Wednesday evening this week. Uh, in general, you know, this, this pod will kind of move around. Sometimes it'll be Wednesdays. Uh, most of the time, Thursdays. Occasionally, we'll do a Friday morning, uh, depending on scheduling. But because we're recording on Wednesday, that means we get to talk about Lions Packers. Uh, another really, really close game. I think that we see here for the green Bay Packers who played one point games each of the last two weeks. They, they rally back down 17, nothing, put up 18 in the fourth quarter to win at home against the new Orleans saints. They are one and a half point home dogs to the Detroit lions. Total is at 46 in this game. Uh, still players uh, at large for the green Bay Packers. We're not sure about, you know, Jair Alexander, Christian Watson, Aaron Jones, all three of those guys seem to be trending in the right direction. What we do know for Green Bay, John, is that they will not have David Bakhtiari, they will not have Devontae Campbell, and they will not have Elton Jenkins. Yes, the, the, uh, you know, you're talking about, what, 40% of the offensive line right there. That, that of course, is an issue going up against this uh, Lions front seven. An interesting tidbit that I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, have seen bandied about the, this week. This is the first time that the Lions have been uh, favored in Green Bay when Green Bay actually had its starting quarterback healthy since 1986. Uh, so it, it's uh, it's been a minute. Neither of us were around uh, back then uh, that I got that stat from uh, Ben Fox. And yeah, so this is this is an interesting sea change. But at the same time, I I'm having a hard time going away from from the Packers here. I've, I've been very impressed by them, I, I would say, relative to my expectations through three weeks. Obviously, uh, that week two game in Atlanta did not go uh, how it should have or, or they kind of let down there there at the end. But they sort of were able to rally in a, in a huge, significant way that this past week where they they scored all their points in the fourth quarter. Of course, Derek Carr getting injured in that game changes things uh, to an extent. But I still feel like Thursday night in Lambeau going up against the Lions, I, I am on the Packers here. I feel like that they're going to be able to um, exploit some of those weaknesses in, in uh, Detroit's defense. Overall, again, the offensive line going to be a big factor there. But if they're able to do that, if they're able to get Christian Watson or Aaron Jones back, that that also uh, really uh, bolsters the confidence even further. Yeah, PFF released their you know, early season offensive line rankings earlier today. Green Bay was number one despite those injuries, so I, I don't necessarily worry about that. They've always you know been able to find you know, really reliable depth uh, late in the draft. So you know, missing David Bakhtiari, missing Elton Jenkins, it's not. It's not ideal, but it hasn't really been uh, the killer that you might think it would be for Green Bay so far. I mean, pass blocking especially has been rock solid. The running game has not been great, but I think some of that is to blame on A.J. Dillon, who is like yes. right near the bottom of the league. I think he's like minus 58 yards below expected so far this season, which checks out, passes the eye test, absolutely. If Aaron Jones plays, I, I like Green Bay, and I, I think we get a very close game. I think this line is spot on it. I think the Lions are rightfully favored here. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, first time in a very long time that they've been in this situation. Some of the trends do point toward Detroit, though. Lions 10-0 ATS in their last 10 NFC North games. They're 10-2 ATS in their last 12 games against Green Bay. So even if they're not winning a lot of those, that uh, they have been able to keep it close. Uh, to me, it, it comes down to, like, can the Lions get the ball moving on the ground here? Because I, I think we, we kind of know what this passing game is. Last week against Atlanta, they were able to survive without really being able to run the ball, without really getting Jameer Gibbs all that involved. I, I don't know that they'll be able to live that way every single week. And, you know, it, this Packers team is still evolving. Like, I, I still don't feel like we have a great handle on it yet. You know, at, at no point, you know, especially once uh, Rashid Shahid took that return back for a touchdown last week, you know, Green Bay had done nothing on offense through through three quarters. Like, the, the last thing you're expecting is Jordan Love in his first home start to lead that team to 18 points in the fourth quarter. But it, it feels like they, I kind of have to do a reevaluation on Love and this offense week to week. Yeah, we, we, we definitely – don't have a firm answer yet, but that this will be a big opportunity for them on national television uh, for the Jordan Love era to be established one way or the other, potentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, anytime I envision this game, I, I, I envision that the Packers mm -hmm. win, winning this one close or, or 
at, at the very least staying within the number. So I, I do feel rather strongly that the Packers are going to be able to do this. Maybe maybe I'm doubting the, the Lions a bit too much, but I'm, I'm still not uh, fully sold yet. I, I know that they, they won kind of a uh, with who is who uh, type of game last week against Atlanta, and they, they did so convincingly. I think you bring up a good point about the run game. We'll, we'll see if David Montgomery – uh, is going to be able to to play through that quad injury um, that, that obviously kept him out that, this past uh, weekend. Yeah, 2.8 yards per play for the Atlanta Falcons last week, which I think says more about that passing game than anything else. Mm. Let's go to Ravens-Browns. This is, this is definitely a game that we want to be keeping an eye on. Uh, anytime we got AFC North versus AFC North, uh, a real slobber knocker, John. Uh, I, I initially lean Browns here. There's some trends uh, that, that certainly favor the Ravens. Uh, they are 19 three and one against the spread in their last 23 games as an underdog. That's about as strong as it gets. They're 12 and three ATS in their last 15 against Cleveland. That, that's one that I almost kind of throw out though, because like how many of those games was Cleveland just a completely incompetent franchise, like at least half of those. Uh, mm-hmm. So you, I think you can kind of, you can only go so far back as far as evaluating personnel and looking at trends, you know, that date back seven or eight years. Uh, regardless, you know, this is a game that of course has a low total. Uh, I think everybody knows that 40 and a half, is the number that's tied for the lowest total of the week with Bengals Titans. Uh, you watch the Ravens as closely as anybody. Uh, we're, we're seeing this number hang around Browns two and a half, Browns three. Uh, what's your initial read? Well, the, as is tradition, the Ravens have a lengthy, a tome uh, of Every an year. injury report. Every yeah, year. it's it. The, the funny thing is that they made it out of training camp reasonably unscathed, and then week one happened, and, and it's like, ah, okay, all, all's right in the world again. But um, at the same time, Ronnie Stanley and, and Tyler Linderbaum were both practicing on Wednesday. That's significant. If you're an NFL injury report uh, follower, uh, particip- any sort of participation on Wednesday is a great sign. Really, Friday's the the money day, but uh, things are looking good for for those two. So the offensive line should be closer to full strength, which is very very important in this matchup because Cleveland's defense, especially in the front seven, uh, to this point has been unbelievable. The, the Ravens' backfield though is still pretty banged up. John Harbaugh kind of non-committal about Gus Edwards' status. We, we know that Justice Hill is dealing with the turf toe. They had to bring Kenyon Drake up from the practice squad last week. So, so they are hurt in the backfield. And, and for the Ravens, that, that is important. We, we haven't seen like a total shift away from the, the sort of Roman philosophy, Greg Roman philosophy, that, that is uh, not the Roman football philosophy of, of thousands of years ago, whatever that may have been. So they're going to need to also get get the passing game going a little bit more. I saw a graphic of Zay Jones's route trees. They are just they are just having him turn right or turn left and, and head towards the sideline. They're not actually like getting him down the field. And what's funny about that is when they when they have done it, it's had a lot of success. In week one, he had a nice catch, and then in week two, uh, best throw of Lamar's season, a fifty-two yard. Uh, strike that down the middle between two defenders to Zay, to Zay Flowers. So they need to get that going a little bit. It'll be interesting to see if they're able to test uh, that Brown secondary, which is uh, in the Brown defense in general, which is uh, fully healthy uh, right now. The Browns defense has faced one red zone possession through three games. Uh, if you're listening to this pod, you probably heard that stat already. And it came you know, after a fumble by their offense deep in their own territory. I mean, this defense has been as dominant as it gets. You know, we could quibble about the opponent's, that they've faced so far. I think Tennessee was kind of walking into a buzzsaw last week, but it's, it's been impressive, man. I'm sure you saw the clips of, you know, Tennessee just kind of trying to shadow Miles Garrett uh, with, with multiple tight ends, just following him wherever he is on the field. I mean, that's how much of a game wrecker he's been through these first 12 quarters. Uh, you know, you mentioned the injuries on the Baltimore side. Like to me, that's what's ultimately going to decide this. Like I'm not putting anything in uh, until later this week, once we know how many of those guys are in for Baltimore. Uh, you know, good news on Linderbaum and Stanley, but we also didn't see Odell Beckham or Rashad Bateman practice on Wednesday. You know, every single running back on the active roster right now is banged up, which is a, an annual tradition as well for the Baltimore Ravens. And they have some guys banged up on the defense, uh, you know, in addition to all that. So I, I initially lean Browns here. I, I just, I'm still wary of trusting Deshaun Watson. Like I, I thought he played his best game in a Browns uniform last week. We're yet to see him string two games together at any point since coming to Cleveland. Exactly. So, you know, week one, he looks good. Week two, it's it's an absolute train wreck. Week three, best we've seen. And week four, you know, TBD. But I, I feel like th- this is a week where if if um, the, we, we noticed Elijah Moore getting going a, a decent bit last week, Amari Cooper got his. And if Marlon Humphrey's still out, that's still a very suspect 
uh, pass defense, in, in my opinion. So, I mean, Gardner Minshew was able to, to hit some throws on, on them. So, whew, this could be – this is a tricky spot for, for the Ravens. I know that the historical yeah. trends do kind of point towards them. And, you know, on, on the Browns' end of that angle, um, the Browns are, are bad against the spread after a win, 1-7 and seven, um, against the spread after a win dating back to last year. And since 2021, they are 6-12 and 12 as favorites. So um, that, those are, you know, not great uh, historical stats, but at the same time, that it's it's hard to apply those, as you were saying, to, mm-hmm. to Cleveland under its current iteration. So if this number stays at three, is it is it just a stay away for you? Like if it got to Browns three and a half, I would jump on the Ravens. If it's Browns two and a half, I would take the Browns. But at, at three, it, it, this, this just feels destined to be, you know, 17-14 or 2017 one way or the other. Yeah, it's a, it's a stay away for for the contest. If if I had to have a lean and it stays at three, I'm probably going the Browns. They're, they're healthier. I feel like the talent is equal and and they're at home. So I feel like a, a you know a cover would be my expected outcome if it stayed at three. But like you said, that pushes certainly um, in, in the realm of possibilities if it sticks at this number. All right, John. So the final game that I threw in the the must watch pile for this week. Broncos Bears, they're, they're, it's just like watching a train wreck, right? This is this does not add up with the rest of the games that we're keeping a close eye on. But I, I'm excited for this. I'm legitimately excited to see how this game plays out. Both teams cornered at their lowest points. Uh, I think Chicago is is a little bit more down bad as a franchise right now, which is saying a ton because this has just been a complete disaster for Denver, dating all the way back to the start of last season. I you know I I, I lean toward the Broncos. I, I I don't think they're quite as decrepit on offense as the bears are uh you know the broncos ironically lead the league in first quarter scoring right now like they've, they've started fast in every game and they even hung in with miami for like one and a half quarters and then you know obviously things went completely off the rails there but the question to me is how bad is the denver defense like how much do they give to this bears offense because i i, I think i trust the bears less but anything seems on the table right now with denver it does. Uh, I I can't make heads or tails of, of how bad this this defense has gotten. You know, since last year, it was one of the best units in, in football. Again, the the meme stat of if the Broncos were just able to average eighteen points a game, they, they, their record would have yeah. been astronomically better. Bowl. But yeah, basically. Uh, but now that now that is turned, that they are finding something on offense, but it seems to be at at the cost uh, of the defense. I don't think that uh, Chicago is going to be able to do what Miami did, but I do wonder if this is the week where, where Justin Fields just kind of says F it and you know just starts running it a ton like we saw uh, when mm-hmm. when the Bears were kind of at their nadir last season. Yeah, I feel like it was the Patriots Monday night game where, where yep. they kind of yep. shocked the world. Uh, yeah, did, definitely. That was their last uh, win. Yeah, that was. And uh, – that that definitely knocked me out of Survivor. Not now that I'm thinking on it, it's all coming back to me. Um, but something along those lines is, is definitely possible. But I mean, it, it just says everything about the Bears that they're playing at home against a team that just lost by 50 points, and they are more than a field goal underdogs. That that just that's the state of the Bears right now. So so I think it is Broncos for me. It, I just have have a little bit of that lingering concern about a crazy Justin Fields game against that defense, but. If this goes yeah. reasonably according to plan, this is Denver's game. I think it says a lot that, you know, we're both talking about the the best case scenario for the Bears offense being Justin Fields, just not listening to his coaches and doing his own thing. Like, <laughs> does that apply? Is there another quarterback in the league where you could say that? Like, yeah, he just he just needs to say, screw it and, and do his own thing. And that'll be better for the team. I mean, that's that's the state no. of the Bears for the Chicago Bears right now. So I'm with you. I, I don't think I'm going to play this game. If I did, uh, it would be the Broncos. I, I actually do kind of like the over on 45 and a half. And I, I know that's a bit counterintuitive, especially on the Chicago side, but bears have gone over in 11 of their last 14 games. They're three and zero to the over already the season. Uh, most of that is the opponents doing a lot of that work. But uh, like I said, the Broncos offense has actually looked pretty reasonable. I think it's easy to pile on Russell Wilson and he hasn't been great. He's been nothing close to what he was at his peak, but he, he's been better than last year. No question about that. They're actually hitting big plays. That was the one thing that they could not do through the air last season and they have been able to do that and i think if you could rip off big plays against some other teams you should absolutely be able to do that against the chicago bears russell wilson uh over one and a half passing touchdowns by the way is plus 110 this week if you're looking for a prop in that game let's move on to some of the other secondary games we'll be keeping an eye on vikings panthers uh, is a fun one um this is another 
uh, another game where we have uh, an over or an under that we want to play. We'll reveal that uh, in a little bit. But yet again, a, a tough game to to handicap here. The, the Minnesota Vikings are four-point favorites. The 0-3 Minnesota Vikings, four-point favorites on the road at Carolina. It does look like we will get Bryce Young uh, back at quarterback for the Panthers. He was able to practice on Wednesday. Okay, so so I mean that that's that almost makes me like Minnesota more in, okay. in this spot. Okay. If, if, if it's Bryce Young out there as opposed to the, the Red Rifle, who you know, if for all the super flex players out there, definitely delivered as a waiver wire pickup uh, last week in Seattle. I think that that comes back down to earth if Bryce Young is out there. Um, Minnesota defensively has been a disaster thus far and offensively they've been about where they were last year <sighs> this is tricky but at, at the same time um I, I i can't see this going any any way other than the vikings I, I know it's hard to trust the vikings generally from a betting perspective and it's definitely hard to trust them on, on the road but i think the panthers uh with a rookie quarterback this early in his career ha- coming off the injury probably not even being at 100 percent, but still playing through it that that's enough for me to, to steer me away for, from Carolina. I'm not sure if I'm using this one either, but um, I, I'm on the Vikings here. But um, one quick question here that we did get in the chat. We got a super chat oh. from our guy, from our guy, Tyler. So new feature uh, now that the, that the Rotowire YouTube is doing numbers. We can do. I love that. Super Thank chats. You, yes. So Tyler, uh, great, great viewer, listener, always chimes in on, on the Thursday show a, as well. So appreciate it, Tyler, tuning in all the time. Uh, we have a a, uh, a quarterback quandary here. We, okay. Would you start Jared Goff, Joe Burrow, or Justin Fields this week? Jared Goff, Joe Burrow, or Justin Fields? Man, I... I think I would go Goff or Burrow. It depends entirely how much you think Joe Burrow will hold up. I bet against the Bengals on Monday because I didn't think Joe Burrow would make it through that game. He ultimately did. And, you know, I I think even as limited as he was, especially early on, I mean, they were doing everything they could for him to just basically catch the ball and immediately throw it. You know, I I think they showed that they can, you know, that they they can utilize that game plan effectively. Now, part of that was going up against the Rams defense, which was a little overmatched and, you know, I, I also think you know the way that they use Jamar Chase uh, is going to unlock some things for this offense. You know, T. Higgins had a terrible game, had a couple big drops. I think that that offensive game could have looked a little bit better for Cincinnati. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough assumption to make. It, it's a, a caveat that I wish we didn't have to throw out, but I think you, you got to go with Joe Burrow if you think he's making it through this game. Right. So therein lies the tricky part because you, you have golf leading us off tomorrow night. So you kind of have to make this decision. Right. Uh, with with Thursday in mind because you you don't want to put yourself in in that position where you're picking between Burrow and Fields. My lean is to just go Goff. We have Goff as QB eight this week over on the RotoWire QB rankings. Uh, Burrow down at eleven and Fields all the way down at nineteen. Uh, I tend to agree with those rankings here. So I, I think the safe play. Give it one more week with with Burrow. It's okay. a, a bit of a tougher defense, kind of it, that that he's going up against. So I will get, I will go with Goff. Um, you know, th- this isn't a Lambo game in in the cold weather, so I think Goff will will be fine. Yeah. So get, give me uh, give me Goff here. Okay, I, I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's close to me, and I have no problem uh, going with Jared Goff over Burrow, uh, especially if you're a little bit worried about that calf. Let's talk Jags-Falcons. This is the early morning game for those of us uh, in the United States. 8.30 a.m. for me. That'll be 9.30 for you, John, out in the Eastern time zone. Uh, I, I could go on and on about this Jags team. And I, I have gone on and on on the Monday pod and on the radio for the last few days. Just an unbelievable no-show against Houston. I know if you dig into some of the underlying stats, you know it, it wasn't as big of a blowout as it should have been. The Jags. I've had issues with drops. Uh, they, they continue to make everything as difficult as possible within this offense. You know, the third and fourth downs continue to be a, a massive, massive issue every single week for the Jags. They are 12 of 43 converting third and fourth downs this season. But, you know, you, you allow a, a fullback to return a kickoff for a touchdown. You, you miss an easy kick. You get one blocked. Uh, you got Jamal Agnew fumbling deep into Texans territory. Like everything that could have gone wrong for the Jags went wrong in that game. But, you also look back to how the offense played against Kansas city. It wasn't good. The offense didn't look all that great for three quarters against the Colts in week one either. So I, I, I'm kind of stuck between, you know, my, my preseason beliefs on how good this Jags offense could be. And then what we've seen for the majority of this season, which has just been wholly unimpressive. 
Right. And I, I think going to London, even if there, there's, you know, something of a Jags home field advantage in, in that sense, um, all of that just and it. You're going up against a Falcons defense that I think is, is at least respectable. I, I, I have the long term optimism for for the Jaguars here. Do you have any insight as to where uh, in the season last year things kind of started to click? The, the Jaguars had that early season blowout win over the Chargers, and then they seemed to, to kind of go to sleep offensively for yeah. a little while and really picked it up later in the year. So is this something where we we might be a few weeks away from seeing the, like the fully-fledged Jaguars attack? I'm really not sure, man. You know, it, it feels like a different situation. I mean, last year they they were 2-1. and one. You mentioned that Chargers game. That was also the week after – Justin Herbert got banged up and he was extremely limited in that one. Like, I, I don't think we got a, a real representative sample of what the chargers were in that game. And they immediately lost five in a row right after that, including, you know, a really ugly loss to the Houston Texans. It, it really wasn't until like week 12 or 13 when they got things turned around. I mean, they, they started the winning streak in week 14 against Tennessee. So you know, th- this was a straight up bad team for over half of the last season. They were, they were two and six at one point. So I, I don't know that we can use that as too much of a roadmap. I mean, I, I do think the saving grace, like having watched all of these Jaguars snaps through three weeks, is that I, like Trevor Lawrence is not the issue. I, I'm, I'm kind of starting to come down on the, you know, the play calling is the problem. I thought the play calling was really rough uh, through, through through week one and, and parts of week two. But uh, you know, a lot of just you know weird bounces didn't go their way last week. You know, I mentioned the, the turnovers, the fumble, you know, Lawrence had a pick. Uh, the Jaguars have lost 15 expected points already this season, just, just due to drops. And that's not counting you know, like the five times where they've had a receiver not get his feet down on the sideline or in the end zone, like just straight up drops have cost them two plus touchdowns already this season. So I, I think a lot of those numbers are still encouraging. If you're on the Jaguars, you, know, you, you think at some point uh, some of those kind of luck type of stats are, are going to turn their way. But I, I also don't love this matchup for them. I, I know there is kind of a, a slight quote unquote home field advantage for the Jags when they go to London, but playing a team like the Falcons that can control the ball, on the ground. You know, I, I still don't trust this Jags defense really at all. They're, they've been like the worst pass rush in the NFL so far this season. They'll be without their nose tackle, Davon Hamilton, uh, this week as well. That, that That's kind of a worst case scenario going up against Atlanta. Um, I, I worry about this game uh, completely. If the offense is, is not firing on all cylinders, I think this could be one of those games. Atlanta's had a couple already where you look back and say, wow, Atlanta ran 65 plays and the Jags somehow only ran 48. Yeah, they, they definitely they definitely can get you in that, um, you know, sort of like alligator death roll ty- type of thing and just drag you down. Well so, you, you know, you, you definitely want to avoid that. You'd think a, a team from Florida would, would be adept around uh, an alligator. Uh, but we're talking about Falcons all over the place here. Um, however, I, I think when it all comes down to it for, for this, I will say that this is the week that the Jags offense w- wakes up a little bit and the Falcons the way that they're built, they can't play from behind. So if, if the right. if the Jags are able to, to start hot, you know, if the script works and you, and you kind of are, are able to dodge, in a sense, the, the rest of Press Taylor's uh, shortcomings and, and if he scripts it up good, uh, then I think Jag, the Jags get out ahead early and and keep their foot on the gas. And, and you know, if you make Desmond Ritter beat you, uh, you win the game basically is is the 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 general trend of it i'm picking up from, yeah. from this atlanta team yeah all i want to see from the jags is just some easy plays you know everything has been so difficult you know it's, it, the last week's game just felt like a series of like third and fives over and over and over and they you, know, you watch so many other teams around the league and you know it's like tyree kill is somehow just running wide open five times per game and the jaguars are you know some of the drops are on ridley you know the 30 yard touchdown that he dropped early in the game i, I thought kind of set the tone for this offense, but you know, a lot of them, you're asking a receiver to catch the ball in traffic. He's got two guys about to hit him. He's got to get right to the ground. Like there's a lot of tight throws, a lot of difficult throws. And and for the most part, Lawrence is making them, but the Jags just don't, there's no layups in this offense. And that to me is what's concerning. So this is another game where the number is sitting right at three, Uh, not really a play for me right now. I think if it were to go to two and a half, yeah, I'd like the Jags. If it would go to three and a half, uh, I would be on Atlanta, but I I think I give a slight lean toward the Atlanta Falcons right now. I, I need the Jags to prove something. Uh, before we go back to that well no question about that uh Steelers Texans these this feels like a matchup of like teams that have never played like I can't even picture the Steelers <laughs> and the Texans being on the same field I, I know it's happened before plenty of times uh but you know it's just one that we don't see very often Steelers three-point favorites on the road uh, at the red hot Texans Oof. 
This should be an interesting one. You you wouldn't have really circled this one coming into the year if you're looking at, at the uh, the week four NFL slate. But but here we are. We have a Texans team that uh, just seems to be kind of cool with going a a college offense route. They're just letting C.J. Stroud drop back, and Tank Dell has obviously uh, exceeded expectations so far. Nico Collins has been solid. Uh, they still have the carcass of Robert Woods running around there occasionally. Um, but regardless, I mean, Stroud is definitely making it work so far. But I do wonder uh, this week, again, when we talk about the Texans at this stage, offensive line, you get concerned about them. And, and I think whereas the Jaguars couldn't really force the issue uh, in that sense last week, uh, we know that the Steelers absolutely can. I mean, the Steelers were folding up Jimmy Garoppolo like, like, a, like a cheap suit uh, most of the night on, on Sunday. We definitely saw that against the Browns the, the week prior. So I, I think that this is a, another spot where that Texans offensive line ends up being the, like they're undoing. And, and I feel like Stroud um, is not a quarterback that, that I look at and says that he excels mm-hmm. under pressure, always had the clean pockets at, at Ohio State, definitely hasn't had that um, to this point in Houston. But I, I think Watt, Highsmith, and company, like they, they might just kind of shut this, uh, this Houston passing attack down before it can get, a, get off the ground. Yeah, I'm of the same line of thinking here. And, and by the way, Houston won 15 and one straight up in its last 17 home games. I know this is a, a new era of Texans football, but that that is concerning. Uh, I, I, I don't think you can skate by with this offensive line in as bad a shape as it is uh, for two straight weeks. You can get away with it against a terrible pass rush like the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think you could do that against TJ Watt and the Steelers. So I'm with you. A bit of an uncomfortable number, you know, somewhat of a surprising spread given how Pittsburgh has looked. But I think a lot of people banking on that Steelers defense and to me, uh, that's the right side of this one total, by the way, uh, sitting at 42 and a half. Let's, the action is uh, interesting, too. Like uh, 57% of the of the handle is on Houston, actually. When, 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 when Pittsburgh is usually like the public team other than yeah. the Cowboys. Interesting. All right, let's rip through some of these games. We'll, we'll go through the rest of the noon games, get to the afternoon slate, uh, and then hit Sunday and Monday night. We're mercifully back down to just one Monday night game this week. <laughs> Rams-Colts. John, uh, a sneaky, interesting game. Maybe I should have bumped this one up uh, into tier two this week. Rams, one point favorites on the road. Does sound like we will get uh, Anthony Richardson back for the Indianapolis Colts. And I, I kind of feel the same way about the Colts as as I do with the Carolina Panthers, where it's it's a slight downgrade for me going from Gardner Mitchell to, to Anthony Richardson. And you know, we, we kind of said the same thing on the pod last week, right? Like, you know, nobody's questioning that Anthony Richardson is the future. He's looked great on the ground, but he also has not completed a pass for more than 20 yards on the season. It's kind of a completely different offensive scheme for the Colts going from Minshew back to Richardson. Right. So that, that, that of course is a big TBD as far as when Richardson's going to start connecting down the field. But uh, you know, Indianapolis doesn't have bad receivers. They're just not star receivers. Like Michael Pittman, very solid player. Uh, Alec Pierce, I think is someone who's underrated and Josh Downs looks like he's coming on. A little bit as well with, with the 12 targets last week we'll, we'll have to see and i guess it, it applies more to, to the fantasy lens that uh you know how this offense recalibrates it when richardson goes back into those target numbers stay up but and does the indianapolis just kind of offensive philosophy shift one way or the other i don't know if they have the luxury of of really leaning super hard on, on uh on the running back core i mean i know zach moss had, had the good game last week but really if you if you and you this is, you know, a hindsight type type of takeaway. But if you went and removed Zach Moss's four best carries last week, he wasn't really doing anything. So it was either a busted play or he was getting stuffed. So um, that that's something for for the Rams to to account for certainly. Um, but I, I think in the end, I mean, we we saw the the Bengals be able to to move the ball on the ground a, a bit against the Rams last week, and it had been kind of a moribund run game to that point in the season. So. Maybe the Richardson plug-in is something that, that can actually ultimately exploit um, some weaknesses in this um, in this Rams defense. And Indianapolis is it is at home in this spot. I'm kind of on Indy here. I'm not super strong on it, but I, I like them as, as just a, a narrow favorite at home against the Rams team that um, you know we we saw. We're starting to see where not having Cooper Cup in a legitimate run game is probably going to be something that, that keeps a, a pretty serious lid on them uh, for, for the foreseeable future here. 
Yeah, we saw the limitations of that receiving core uh, multiple times on Monday night. You know, the Rams were, were able to really hit a, a handful of big plays through the air on that Cincinnati secondary. But every time they got like inside the 15 yard line, they just had no answers. I mean, I, I don't think they really fully trust Kyron Williams and it, for good reason. I don't think they trust that offensive line. And you just don't really have you know red zone weapons right now without Cooper Cup. It's like you're, you're trying to fit balls into windows to Tutu Atwell in the back of the end zone. Like that's that's not going to go well. So. Yeah, this one to me is, is really, really tough. I, you know, coming into the year, I, I think I would have leaned Rams. Obviously, you know, things have devolved with Cooper Cup. And, uh, you know, I think the way that offense looked for the most part, uh, they were one of 11 on third downs on Monday night, uh, scares me a little bit here. So th- this one is, is probably going to be a stay away in the circuit contest. Bucks Saints, John, always, these games are always fun every single year. It's the, you know, Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore fight night. I, I don't even know. This is like their, their eighth battle uh, over the last few years. You know, something's going to happen at some point here. Uh, Saints are three-point favorites. We we think it'll be Jameis Winston under center for New Orleans. Derek Carr, of course, uh, getting hurt in that Green Bay game last week. Uh, Buccaneers, meanwhile, they they got eagled. They got eagled on Monday night. There, there's no other way to say it. I, I actually didn't even think Tampa played that badly. Um, but we, we saw the, the Eagles' offensive line just dominate the Bucs' D-line. Right, exactly. And and that's a, a key thing here because that was obviously Tampa Bay's first loss. And and uh, the, the Philly offensive line, again, incredible. A lot of uh, tush push or, or uh, the brotherly shove uh, discourse on, on the Twitter sphere uh, over the last couple of days. But um, John Sigler, who, who covers the the um, the Saints, uh, great, great beat writer for them, uh, noted that Ryan Ramchek uh I think Eric McCoy it was, and one other of their offensive linemen were like near the absolute bottom in the PFF grades for, for last week's game against the Packers. So that, that offensive line in and of itself is not going to do anything close to what Philadelphia was able to establish. So I think that that's something. Um, it's interesting that, you know, the Saints kind of have the – and I guess a lot of this had to do with Drew Brees being the quarterback, but you know, you'd think that it's a really tough place to go in and cover, but I believe the Buccaneers are actually six and five in the last 11 against the spread uh, in the uh, Caesars Superdome uh, now. So um, this, this is anyone's game. We got Jameis revenge game part, whatever at at this point and and Baker Mayfield just on a permanent revenge tour against anybody. I'm going. I'm taking the points here. I, I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick with with the Buccaneers. Uh, I thought that they've looked overall much better than I expected. I know last week's game it is what it was, but it was against the Eagles. So I'm gonna give them a bit of a break here, and I, I think the Tampa Bay can can take the show on the road and make this one close. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I would take either side getting the points here. This game's in New Orleans. Uh, I think it's really really close. Uh, we just haven't seen a whole lot of Jameis in the last calendar year. Um, I, I will be looking at Jameis interception props. Once uh, those are posted later this week, you can get Baker Mayfield uh, over 0.5 picks at minus 125 right now at the DraftKings <laughs> Sportsbook. I, I, would, I need to find a parlay where they both throw multiple picks. It, yes. that Keep me posted on on where you can find that because uh, I, I want to tail that. Yeah, I, I do like the under here as well, 40 and a half. Uh, New Orleans 3-0 and to the under so far this season. Commanders-Eagles. Philly, eight-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Uh, Commanders kind of got their bubble burst last week against the Buffalo Bills. I, I do think that game, it was a lot more competitive in the first half than the final score would indicate, but the the wheels completely came off for Washington in that second half. And I, I know it's a short week for Philly, but they're at home here. Uh, they got tripped up in the spot by the Commanders uh, you know, around midseason last year. I, I feel like the Eagles are, are trending in the right direction. right? We had a, a few questions about this offense uh, and, and even the secondary through the first two weeks of the season. But what we saw on Monday, that was a lot more reminiscent of the Philadelphia Eagles from last season. And Jalen Hurts threw two picks. A.J. Brown had some huge drops. Uh, you know, Not everything went right for the Eagles in that game. They still win very comfortably over a Buccaneers team that I think is probably a little bit better than the Commanders. Yeah, so I, this one to me just screams blowout as far as I can tell. I, I think Philadelphia, again, we, we still haven't seen their, their full form at this point, but they're at home. The commanders licking their wounds. They, they don't seem to have an offensive line that, that has much in the way of cohesiveness. That's really, really bad news for, for Sam Howell here. And we saw things go pretty awry for, for him last week against that, that you know, tough uh, Bills pass rush. And I, I think the Eagles is even better. And you have disruptive forces in the middle, like, like Jalen Carter blowing up the middle of the line. So th- this is just going to be a really long day for, for Sam Howell. 
And I, I think even if the Eagles play a B, B-minus game, they can cut, get the cover here. Yeah, I think you said it very well. Bengals-Titans. This one's in Tennessee. Bengals, two-and-a-half-point favorites coming off of that win at home over the Rams on Monday night. You know, We talked about this one a little bit earlier when we were tackling the, the Joe Burrow fantasy question. If you could guarantee me that Joe Burrow makes it through this game, I, I absolutely love Bengals minus two and a half. Titans are, are kind of on the ropes here. Um, I, I actually thought the Titans would be a little bit more live as a dog last week uh, against the Cleveland Browns. Very discouraging performance for that offense. The running game has been disastrous through three weeks for Tennessee. We knew this offensive line would be shaky. I, I think I'm on the Bengals here at two and a half, John. I am too. Um, even if you know it's kind of a, a shaky performance from – uh, that this Bengals offense, and that's not even a guarantee. Joe Mixon got going pretty good last week, and, and of course Jamar Chase as well. So they keep Burrow upright. You know things are things are looking good for them. But regardless of that, like you said, Tennessee pretty much unable to to run the ball. It, I fear that the cliff has come for Derrick Henry. And you know when you're a Titans team that has built the entire offense around him, and he can't do what what he's supposed to. How do you expect Ryan Tan, poor Ryan Tannehill to, to do anything? And that offensive line, I mean, the Rams one is bad. The Titans one is right there, if not worse. And we saw Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard just eating Matthew Stafford's lunch or dinner, I suppose, on, on Monday night. So I'm seeing a lot of similarities here. I'm seeing the, the edges from uh, Cincinnati just come in and, and just kind of dominate and shut things down on, on the Tennessee side. And then straight, straight comment about the, the Cincy defense at Daxon Hill guy. Looks like he's starting to turn into, into a little some J- justice Hill's brother. Did you know? I did not know that. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no idea. That's, I, I'm going to need a second to, to collect myself after receiving that information. The one pushback that I do have here about Derrick Henry is we were having this exact conversation this time last year when he was getting stuffed the first three games of the year, he looked bad against the giants, looked terrible against the Buffalo bills, looked bad against a, a really, really rough Las Vegas Raiders defense. What did he do after that? Five straight hundred yard games starting in week four. So I, I I'm not fully jumping off of Derrick Henry yet, but it's going to be a tall task. I think doing that against the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, if Joe Burrow makes it through this game, if you're confident in that, give me the Bengals minus two and a half on the road Raiders chargers. As we move into the late window on Sunday, Chargers five and a half point favorites. 48 and a half is the total here, John. I I almost just want to swear off betting the Chargers at all. Like it's just not a healthy thing to do. You should have to sign a waiver wherever you're placing a Chargers bet, but before you you sign up for, you know, whatever is coming your way. Does this number make sense to you? Like how big of a deal is losing Mike Williams for this offense? Probably not very. I, I think that Keenan Allen, as long as he stays healthy, um, that that's still an offense that's going to be able to function very well. Uh, you know, I hope Keenan Allen has begun hydrating because he's probably looking at 15, 20 targets again this week. Josh Palmer, not an unbelievable talent by any means, but I think he's serviceable, clearly has some semblance of a connection with Justin Herbert, and we're still waiting for Quentin Johnston to, to kind of get himself established. Obviously, with Mike Williams being out, uh, that opens that door. Uh, if Eckler, um, I believe he was able to practice on, on Wednesday. If, if he's back, that that's absolutely huge for uh, the Chargers. And as much as I am loath to bet the Chargers, so totally agree with you there, it changes a little bit when it's the Raiders. I mean, the, the Josh McDaniels field goal saga on Sunday night was, uh, was something to behold. He's a bozo. And so even though Staley is also a bozo, I, th- I think uh, – in a weird way, I think McDaniels is like a more damaging bozo, and and therefore, uh, give me the Chargers to cover this number. It's you, you don't feel good trusting the Chargers with uh, like barely a field goal, five points makes you feel a little worse. But at the same time, I'm just gonna side with the with the Chargers bolt up. Sounds like we got a good old fashioned bozo off on our hands uh, <laughs> out in LA this weekend. I, I'm with you. I'm on the Chargers here again. It's just. You're, I don't. The number could be whatever. I mean, you, you could. The Chargers could be like plus twenty in this game, and I'd still be like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. There's just something about this. Uh, if Eckler plays, I feel a lot better about it. He, he did practice on Wednesday. Was was limited, uh, so we'll see. I, I don't think that's a, a home run quite yet that he's back. Uh, they got a couple injuries on the offensive line as well. Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsley. Uh, we got to keep an eye on those. But yeah, this Raiders team. You know, we, we talked about it in the preseason. Like they. They, they feel like they're they're not quite on like implosion watch, but if they get blown out in this game, like we've already seen a couple times Devontae Adams after games just being like, hey man, this is not what I signed up for. Like this franchise is 
uh, going in the wrong direction. And, you know, I, I think a couple more games like that. And, and, you know, I think Josh McDaniels kind of risks losing this team. So yeah, we'll see. I I'm with you on the chargers five and a half. I think it's a friendly enough number. And I think if the chargers can put together another competent offensive game, they will be just fine. Patriots Cowboys, really fun one uh, in the late window. Cowboys, uh, they were seven point favorites for most of the day. That number though, uh, has shrunk a little bit, John. They are now six and a half point favorites at home. Total is up at 43. So I, I'm all about the, the Cowboys this week. It, uh, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, I'm a big believer in, in theirs for, for this matchup. Dallas, I know that they, they blew it last week. I'm going to give them a break. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're just having too much fun out in Arizona. They were overlooking their opponent. clearly. Just pl- pl- Exactly. And, you know, I got the golf plug now, so, I mean, I, I totally get it. But um, Dallas, 9-1 and one against the spread after a loss dating back to 2021. And coincidentally, uh, the Patriots are just 5-12 and 12 against the spread as a dog in that same time frame. So that seems to line up pretty well here. And I think the Cowboys are going to be able to respond, shake last week's game off, and, and kind of just reestablish themselves as, as one of the favorites in the NFC and what, you know, a potential Super Bowl contender. Um, I, I just, I tossed last week's out last week's game out almost completely. And in the Patriots, congratulations, you beat Zach Wilson. So um, I, I, I like the Cowboys here. And I think that this one actually could get kind of ugly. Beat Zach Wilson and gave Zach Wilson a number of chances to win that game at the end that, you know, maybe any other quarterback goes down and, and ends up producing a different result. Dallas nine and one, uh, ATS after a loss over the last two seasons. So some trends pointing in that direction. Cardinals 49ers, John, biggest number on the board this week, 49ers, 14 point favorites. Let's have you take it away, man. I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, you know, taking up too much of the air. I, I want oh, some, no, no. some sharp whaling uh, discussion here. What, what do you got for this one? You know, the, the Cardinals have put me in a pretzel through three weeks. I thought last week would be, the, the come up into week for them. The, they can't keep getting away with this game, you know, and now it feels like maybe this is the week. And like, I, I'm, I'm really hesitant to jump off of, uh, you know, my, my take that the Cardinals are the least talented team in the NFL. I mean, you got to tip your cap to, to head coach Nathan Fielder for the job that he's done through these first three weeks. <laughs> the plan. <laughs> yeah. Right. The plan is to beat the Cowboys outright. Apparently uh, it's just, they, they've started strong in all three games and they've wilted in two of those. They, they've kind of kept their foot on the gas to some degree against Dallas. You look at some of the the deeper numbers in that game. I mean, Dallas, Dallas was moving the ball. Like that game, I think was similar to Jags Texans in a lot of ways where the Dallas just kind of beat itself uh, after falling behind early. I, I just don't think the 49ers let that happen, right? Like we, we, you've seen it three times already. And that was my case for the Cowboys was, all right, we, we saw Arizona sneak up on the commanders. We saw them sneak up on the giants. How do you let that happen? And then it happened. So I, I just, I don't want to jump off and suddenly be like, all right, well, I guess the Cardinals are, are just a good team that we have to reckon with, but they're, they're three and zero against the spread. They're one of only three teams uh, to, to, to be able to say that through three weeks, but the 49ers to me are, are the team above even, you know, a team like Kansas city, where I, I just feel like those letdowns are so few and far between. They're so prepared. They're so solid. There's just not a weakness that you really worry about a team like the Cardinals exploiting on this defense. And I totally get, you know, some people see 14 and they just, they just default to that. They're like, that's too high. I, I don't care what the team is. I'm just, I'm never going to take a team minus 14. I, 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 I'm on the 49ers here. I, I had to make a call in staff picks earlier today. I, I don't feel great about it. It's a high number. You know, we saw the Rams pull off a little backdoor cover on the Niners a couple of weeks ago. That could certainly be the case here, but I, I think the Cardinals have given us too many warnings where the 49ers just will not be caught off guard at home. No, they won't. And I, I think, Bottom line, Niners probably the best team in football, at least right yep. now. Um, so them well-rested coming off the mini-buy, having played last Thursday night, mm-hmm. all of that just steers me steers me in their direction. And, and you know, you wonder if the Cardinals maybe get too big for their britches after 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 knocking off the Cowboys and come in yeah. all, all proud and cocky and get knocked down. All right, Chiefs-Jets, second highest number on the board this week. Chiefs, nine-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Hoping and praying, John, that this number hangs on at nine-and-a-half because I I will be all over the Chiefs uh, at that number. I mean, still have some questions about the offense. I don't think, you know, playing the Division I AA Chicago Bears necessarily cures all evils, but, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey continues to get healthier week to week. I think this defense is probably the best that they've had in the Mahomes era. Uh, I, I don't think the Jets are going to be able to do a whole lot uh, offensively in this game. That's not a hot take, but 
I also think the Jets are are teetering on the edge here, you know, and if Zach Wilson comes out and looks terrible, which in all likelihood he will, history strongly suggests that he will play very badly in this game. I, you know, it, the whole like lose the locker room thing, it's such a trope. It's, it's not really something that you could put into statistical terms, but nobody's happy uh, on this Jets team. And it, you, you're never going to suggest that, you know, players are just going to give up or anything like that, but you can, you can sense it already. Like at the end of that game, last week, you know, it, it, offensive players, defensive players, like they just don't feel good about the direction this team is heading. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Trevor Simeon at some point in this game, but uh, if you're giving me the chiefs and you're giving me, you know, less than 10 points, I'm going to take it. Even Robert Sala, like it, you know, who's been trying to hold the line as, as hard as possible. I, I imagine coming down from, from the front office and, and everything to just be like, Zach's our guy. And even even that stance is is softening for him, uh, to, you know, despite being instructed otherwise. So I mean, that's yeah. how, that's how bad it is with with Wilson right now. He is he's just not cut out for this. I, I feel kind of bad for him in a way, but I mean, I, I think Patrick Mahomes and company coming into town is, is no way to to turn things around. And, and like you said, I, I think that this could be a spot where the the Chiefs get up ten early and and things just really really quickly disintegrate on the Jets side and, and, you know, the defense, which is the only thing that can really, that they can hang their hat on. If they get a little bit of quit in them, they get some big plays dropped on them. And, and then, you know, yeah. all of a sudden they got to go right back out after a, a third consecutive three and out or something like th this could be disaster territory. So mm -hmm. I like your call there at nine and a half, especially so that that gives a little bit of cushion off that 10. I'm, I'm liking where your head's at with the chiefs. Yeah, I, I want to warn everybody listening right now, like be sure to clip this when I look stupid on Monday morning. But I, I just I don't think the Jets are capable of a backdoor cover. That's the thing. It's like all, all the Chiefs have to do is at some point get up by more than 10. Like I, I don't worry about the Jets, you know, putting up 15 points in the fourth quarter and all of a sudden, you know, a, a, a 20 point game becomes a, a seven point game or something like that. Like I, I think if the Chiefs could just do what they do through three quarters and you know just kind of sit on that lead, they'll be just fine. Like you're, you're not really worried about Zach Wilson, like throwing the Jets back into that game. And again, it, so so many times over the years we've talked about oh it's the Chiefs offense Mahomes Kelsey it's like the Chiefs defense has, has buoyed this team so far like that that that's the reason right now that they're two and one it should be three and zero oh, it's been this defense so I I don't really think uh, that there's any real liability on that side of the ball so Chiefs minus nine and a half that's our play there uh, that brings us to Monday night John Seahawks and Giants New York Giants one point favorites at home total sitting all the way up at forty seven that is one of the highest of the week. My brain says to go Seattle here. Am I am I too quick on that? I, yeah, I'm just wondering how the Giants are favored in, in a game against a, a competent, maybe even good Seattle yeah. team. I I, I, I don't get it. There there's no real like home field advantage to to speak of. I, I think everyone is already like down on the Giants in yeah. it's in just the, like a general uh, the, like angry atmosphere. Yes, it's not good. And I, I know the Eagles have, or I'm sorry, the Seahawks have to go across the country long trip, but you get the extra day for it. Um, so you, you're not worried about like the body clock issue like like you would if this was a one o'clock Eastern game. Seattle's just better, and they're going to win this game, and they only have to do so by two points. Give me the Seahawks, especially if Saquon Barkley doesn't play. That's the caveat for me. If Saquon plays, you know, then you could see this Giants offense getting some things going. We saw it in the second half against Arizona a couple of weeks ago. Um, we also saw the Giants do nothing on offense without Saquon. Granted, against the 49ers, not the best sample, but. Uh, you know, I, I'm with you on Seattle. I think they, they've shown the last two weeks they could put up points. They, they, they could do, do it against a Giants defense that is average at best, a defensive line that's been really disappointing so far, and a Giants offensive line that has really struggled. So I think there's some advantages on the defensive side of the ball for Seattle as well. We are brought to you by Circa. We love Circa. We always stay at Circa when we go out for the annual Vegas trip, and it's football season at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, featuring the best pool in history, Stadium Swim. Three levels, six pools, and a 143-foot diagonal screen. Stadium Swim is America's favorite place to watch football. They play every game from college to the pros, and you can catch all the action poolside from a variety of seating options, including cozy daybeds and private temperature-controlled cabanas. Stadium Swim, located at Circa Resort and Casino. It's open 365 days a year, all sports, all seasons. You can book today at CircaLasVegas.com. That is CircaLasVegas.com. All right, John, you know the drill here. Let's talk a little Survivor. We'll hand out our picks of the week, and then we'll, we will be out of here. Big-time carnage in Circus Survivor and just about every Survivor League that anybody played in in week three. We saw over 40% of entries go down with the Jaguars, another 10-plus percent 
with the Baltimore Ravens. If you took the Chiefs, congratulations. If you sided with the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Dolphins, any of those, you're safe. Uh, the thing is, in Circa, you know, you got to save teams for Thanksgiving. You got to save thing, save teams for Christmas. Uh, but in most Survivor weeks or most Survivor leagues, excuse me, you don't need to worry about that. So, uh, where do you lean this week? To me, there are two to three pretty obvious picks. After that, it, it's a little bleak. Uh, one one thing that I, that I always think about when we talk about Circa Survivor, uh, were you aware that there's a, a screamo band called Circa Survive? <laughs> Uh, I was not aware of that. No, I don't really know any screamo bands, let alone that one. That it, maybe like three of our listeners. I, I think our guy Shannon will, will will know what I'm talking about. But beyond that, uh, sorry everybody. Um, but when it comes to Survivor this week, I still have the the 49ers available. I don't see how I can go against that. Um, I, you know, last week was obviously uh, disconcerting for for those who back the the big numbers and everything like that. But if you're in a rebuy league or multiple strike league or anything like that, and you still have the 49ers available, or if you just have simply uh, not screwed up to this point in the season, I don't know how you don't uh, go, go with the 49ers here. And the, the pot odds I'm sure are going to be pretty crazy. So that therein lies, you know, the, the case to be made for Philadelphia or Kansas city. Um, but I, I think that the Niners are, are leaps and bounds ahead of everyone. But again, when you're in a big contest like this where you do have to consider some game theory, maybe uh, you, you would consider uh, the Eagles instead. But but for me, it's 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 the Niners and I got to like be doing a, a fair amount of, of just hand wringing to, to move off of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one way to look at it, especially if you're not too worried about saving teams for certain weeks, which, you know, most people aren't. You just got to survive at this point. There's no other way to put it, right? I mean, you, you see the carnage every single week. You, you, you kind of face some of those tough decisions when you get there later in the year. It, it is tough, though, because I think, like you said, San Francisco, Casey, and Philly, those are the big three this week. And those are maybe the three best teams in the league that you would prefer to save if you could. So I, I think if you're looking away from those three, I would consider Dallas. Uh, obviously, that, that looks a little shakier now, but six and a half point favorites at home against New England. They're on kind of a, a tier two for me. If you want to dip into the sicko tier, you know, you could go Chargers over the Raiders. You could go Pittsburgh over the Texans. Huh. If you really want to do it, John, now might be the time to burn the Denver Broncos. Wow. That would be putting it on the table. But I would I would respect any survivor entry that that sees 70 to 20 and says they're my survivor team next week. All right, let's get to parlays of the week. I got a teaser to throw at you, then we'll hand out our locks. Uh, you know, I, I'm usually just throwing out these really boring parlays. You know, we're, we're taking like big favorites or, you know, we'll, we'll maybe we'll tie in a total every now and then. That's boring. I, I am presenting this week the Nick Whalen Insanity Parlay presented by Four Loco as well as Marlboro. Oh. We're taking the Broncos, the Vikings, and the Chargers, the three most chaotic teams in the NFL to cover. That gets you to plus 624 at DraftKings. I love it. And, and you know, the, the endorsements you got for that one, just phenomenal. I, I don't. Hmm. Do I see where this gets blown up? I, I do not because I, I'm with you I think on, on each of those. Th- yes. So, I mean, uh, I guess maybe in the future, since it is four loco, get get four teams in there. But, you know, that, that's editorial. We can we can uh, workshop that backstage, but into it. Um, mine is more of like a, the, the John's Parlay brought to you by Fiber One Cereals. Not all that exciting, but uh, I think it'll get the job done here. Keep you regular. Give me the Packers cover the spread one and a half to start us off on Thursday night. We got the dolphins plus three and the Vikings minus three and a half. Uh, that gets you about six to one um, at, at most sports books. So that that's, that's mine. And then if you wanted to add in a fourth leg to, to really uh, ham it up a little bit, um, I would take the, the Raiders chargers over. Ooh. Okay. That, that spices it up a little bit. I, I think outside of that, that that's presented by just like white pieces of paper or like, you know, <laughs> I don't even know, like Elmer's glue parlay of the week. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give you a seven point teaser here, John. We are going to tease the Kansas city chiefs down to minus two and a half against the jets. We're going to tease the Eagles down to one and a half against the commanders. And we are going to tease the Tampa Bay Buccaneers up to 10 and a half. That number as we speak has moved from three to three and a half. I want to get that over the key number of 10. So chiefs minus two and a half Eagles minus one and a half Tampa just has to lose. Uh, by less than 11 points. And there we go. Uh, so that gets you to plus 130. You know, not, nothing super exciting there. It's not exactly the insanity for local parlay. But if you want to play it a little bit safer, 
Uh, I do like those teaser options this week. Give me your one against the spread lock of the week, John. It's got to be the Dallas Cowboys. The the historical trends point in that direction. I think the the Patriots are, are altogether not not an excellent team. I think that their their defense is good, but I think that the Cowboys' offense is better. And frankly, the there's just very little ways in which the the Patriots are going to be able to to hang with the Cowboys over the course of sixty minutes. I think that offense is going to fall apart. I think we're going to see some more turnovers than, than we've. Uh, seen over the last few weeks for, from the Patriots. I see some more mistakes there. Uh, it's on the road. Give me the Cowboys. And again, with, with it being six and a half, I love that. I thought about that one. I, I need to see some clarity on the offensive line. They have a ton of offensive linemen banged up. Um, you know, not necessarily sure it matters with the overall talent difference, but uh, still respect the hell out of that pick, John. I'm going with the Chiefs. I know it's a big number. Uh, this is just quite simply a vote of confidence uh, against Zach Wilson, or I guess a vote of no confidence in Zach Wilson. Uh, again, love this staying under 10. Uh, if you can get it at nine and a half, lock that in. We are rolling with the Kansas City Chiefs as our lock of the week. You're going Dallas Cowboys minus six and a half against the New England Patriots. Uh, John, fun time as always. Uh, I know you're heading out to Florida for the weekend, so enjoy that. I know you'll be catching all the games. You can keep an eye out for our circuit picks. Those will be broadcast live on YouTube tomorrow afternoon. Check out the RotoWire YouTube channels. We just launched an NBA channel as well. If you're a, a bit of a round ball head, uh, there'll be a ton of content going up there. Uh, we'll be talking some NBA, of course, in light of the Damian Lillard trade on the radio. We'll be firing up the podcast network uh, in full swing next week. So keep an eye out for all that. For John McKechnie, I am Nick Whalen. We'll talk to you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.